1994, the appalling Rwandan genocide took place. In just 100 days, up to a million Tutsi were murdered. And during that time, a man named George Gittos was part of a UN medical team in Rwanda. And while visiting the village of Kibeo, he found himself in the midst of the killing. And the horror of what he saw that day remains etched in his mind. And since then, he has produced some of the most incredible paintings. And foremost among them is this award-winning picture. It is called The Preacher. And when asked to comment on it, George wrote this. It was horrific. We saw children killed before our eyes. We were going in and getting the wounded out as the people were macheteing and shooting and killing. Suddenly there was this guy standing in the middle of the people who were dying all around us. And he just began to give this sermon in one of those beautiful, melodious African voices. Quoting those sections of the New Testament which give hope and tell us about the afterlife. I thought it took tremendous courage because he exposed himself. Yet he had the presence of mind to know that other people needed some kind of reassurance. He gave it to them. And then the killing closed in. What was it that gave that preacher such selflessness in the face of death? It was the faith and the hope and the love that come from the resurrection of Jesus. What was it that those people needed to hear in their dying moments? They needed to hear the assurance that because of Jesus, they would be resurrected too. It is the resurrection that is the absolute necessity in the face of suffering. Without it, Christians are fools who have nothing to hope for. With it, we are children of God who will live forever. Christians believe that three days after his death on the cross, Jesus rose again. And we really mean it. We're not talking metaphors. We're not talking fairy tales. Jesus literally rose from the dead. It was a real event that changed the course of the world's history. And this morning we're going to ask, what does the resurrection mean for us today? How is it relevant to our lives? And like that Rwandan preacher, I'm going to directly quote the New Testament as I make six brief points. The first point is this. The resurrection shows us that Jesus is Lord. In Romans 14.9 it says this. For this very reason Christ died and returned to life. So that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. 
First and foremost, the resurrection proves to us that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Whilst on earth, Jesus claimed to be divine. He claimed to be Lord and God. And he invited people to test that claim based on his resurrection. On two separate occasions, Jesus was asked to perform a miraculous sign to prove that he was the Messiah and that he had the authority to forgive sins. On both those occasions, Jesus responded not by pointing to the moral perfection of his life, or the profundity of his teaching, or even the remarkable power of his miracles. Instead, he said this, No sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And on the second occasion, he replied, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And of course, Jesus was talking about his body. So what we see here is that the resurrection is the great vindication of Jesus' divine authority. Jesus' power as Lord stands and falls with the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Jesus was just a crazy man from the back streets of Israel. With it, he is Lord of all. And every human being that has ever existed will one day have to take notice of that. The resurrection proves that Jesus was who he said he was. Now, how does that affect us today? Well, if he is Lord... It shows us who we must give our allegiance to. Did you know that in communist Russia, a common rhyme was indoctrinated into children? And it went along these lines. Lenin knows everything. Lenin is always with us. That was the rhyme that they had to learn. You see, in an atheist society where the worship of God is forbidden, other constructs start to receive divine attribution. However, anyone who visits Lenin's mausoleum today can see that the only way that Lenin is still with us is because he's soaked in formaldehyde. But Jesus' tomb is empty. No bones have ever been produced to deny this claim. Christians believe that only Christ knows everything. Only Christ is always with us. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is Lord. He is above all world leaders. He's above all demigods. He's above anything else that society tries to put in his place. He is Lord. And therefore, he is worthy. Worthy of our attention and our service, our obedience and our praise. The second point is the resurrection shows us that our lives can be transformed. In Ephesians 1, 18 to 20, it says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted 
when he raised Christ from the dead. Now we've just thought how Jesus was declared Lord because of the resurrection. Now we read that the very same power that rose Jesus from the dead is on offer to change our lives today. The writer of those verses was the Apostle Paul. And he knew well and truly what it was to have the eyes of his heart enlightened. Paul at one stage had been the assassin Saul. He arrested, tortured, persecuted Christians for their faith. His whole life was a mission of murder. Yet on day on the road to Damascus, a blinding light shone and a crystal clear voice called out. The risen Christ stood before Saul and the assassin was stopped in his tracks. And in that moment, Saul's life was totally transformed. Rather than destroying him, God lovingly called him into service. After meeting the risen Jesus, Saul set out to live for him. And he became this great gospel preacher and writer of large parts of the New Testament. As Paul saw was a new creation. Because Jesus is risen and he is alive today, he can step into our lives too. And he can transform them for the better. He did this for me in the year 2000, and he can do it for you right now. Since the year 2000, Jesus has been working in me to make me a better person. There's still much more work to be done, but I'm on the journey of becoming like him. That same power that conquered the grave is on offer to us all if we believe. How might it change you for the better? Christians are in the business of life transformation and it's all because of the resurrection. The third point I want to make is that evil is defeated. In Colossians 2.15 it says this, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now if it wasn't for the resurrection, that verse could never have been written. If it wasn't for the resurrection, the cross wasn't a victory at all. It was a failure. You see, on Good Friday, evil smelled victory. Christ was arrested, falsely accused, sentenced, condemned, beaten and crucified. The source of all life suffered death. Stripped naked, caked in his own blood, he was laid lifeless in a stone-cold grave. But Friday is not the end of the week. And it was not the end of the story. Evil did not expect an epilogue. It did not reckon on Easter Sunday. As the great hymn celebrates, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. 
Some of you will be old enough to remember the most famous boxing match of all time between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman, the rumble in the jungle. Foreman pounded Ali for seven rounds. Punch after punch came in and Ali rarely got off the ropes. Everyone thought it was over. But incredibly, this was Ali's strategy. He soaked up every punch until Foreman was tired and stiff. And then in the eighth round, he danced off the ropes and flattened him with ease. And Muhammad Ali later described his technique as rope-a-dope. Well, that is an apt metaphor for the cross. Christ took every blow that evil had. He soaked it all up into himself. And then in the eighth round, or rather the third day, he rose again, off the ropes, and delivered the knockout blow. This was God's plan all along. Evil defeated. Not through violence, but through sacrifice. The resurrection made the cross a victory. Evil now cannot and will not win. Even perpetrators of heinous acts like the Rwandan genocide and what's going on in Ukraine today will be overcome. We need not be afraid of evil anymore. Because of the resurrection, it is a conquered foe. The fourth point I'd like to make is that the resurrection guarantees that our sins are forgiven. This is based on two verses. First of all, Romans 4.25. Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Now I include these verses because I'm trying to get us to see how crucial the resurrection is. Without it, the cross does not work. It achieves nothing. Without it, not only does evil win, but the sin that evil tempts us to remains in our lives. The Bible teaches us that God is a just God. He is a righteous judge who must deal with sin. We as human beings are outraged, aren't we, if justice is not given. If a, a criminal gets away with a terrible crime, for example. Or well, so too with God. If he did not judge and punish sin, he would not be good. He would not be holy. He would actually cease to be God. So the Bible is clear. Death is the punishment for sin. And we have all sinned. So we all deserve death. But the message of Easter is that God intervened for us. The cross is the great no to sin. God punishes our sin as it deserves, but on Jesus, not on us. The resurrection is then God's great yes to life. The resurrection shows us that the sacrifice of Jesus offered up on the cross was acceptable to God. 
Our sin has been dealt with for good. All charges against us are annulled. We are set free from the sentence of death. And even the perpetrators of the worst sins can be forgiven if they turn to God. This is cause for great celebration. We're nearly at the end now, just two points to go. The fifth point is that the resurrection shows us that death is defeated. In Romans 6.5 we read these words. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Death is the universal experience. Whether it is by accident, by attack, or by natural causes, death is coming. Every community has its cemetery. Death is the great shadow that hangs over all humanity. And the fear of death is so often seen in the desperate clinging on to life and youth today. Wealthy Californians spend millions cryogenically freezing their brains so that one day in the future when technology has been improved, they can be brought back to life. Desperate housewives fight ageing with surgery and Botox and diets. And middle-aged men join a gym and buy a fast car and trade in their wife for a younger model, hoping that it will help them hold back the years. The fear of death hangs over society. But because of the resurrection, we do not live just to die anymore. Rather, we die to live. Christ has gone before us, pioneering the way to eternity. Many of you will have heard of the great Christian theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Well, in the German concentration camp where he was executed, there was an English gentleman who was imprisoned with him. And he wrote this about Bonhoeffer's final moments. They came for him. We bade him goodbye. He drew me aside. This is the end, he said. But for me, this is the beginning of life. And the prison doctor, who then observed Bonhoeffer kneeling to pray in his cell moments before the guards came, also recalled later that after his 50 years as a doctor, he had rarely seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. People of faith die well. Those who have met the risen Christ, who understand the gospel, know that the best is yet to come. And that's why at the six funerals on Isla this week, I declared Jesus to be the resurrection and the life. That whoever believes in him will live, even though they die. The resurrection gloriously means that death is defeated. It has lost its sting. It is now a new beginning. And that leads us to our final point. The resurrection ensures that God's reign is coming. And here we return to that verse we began with from Romans 14. 
For this reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. We thought earlier that the resurrection tells us that Jesus is Lord, that his, his rule is absolute. But it also means that one day the risen Christ is coming back. The gospel always links the resurrection with the return of Jesus at the second coming. Christ is alive and he's coming back to rule over all. You see, the resurrection is the establishment of God's government. A government that will know no end. Christ will reign on high until all the enemies have been put beneath his feet. And then he will come. And the new heavens and earth will begin. Because of the resurrection, there will be a second coming. The kingdom of God will be completed. And when it is, there will be no more violence or pain. No more genocides. No more tyrannical empires. No more bullies or power brokers. There will be peace. And the preacher in Rwanda knew this. And he would give his life proclaiming it so that those dying around him died with hope. This is the greatest hope of the Christian faith. The resurrection means that God's kingdom has been launched and one day it will be completed. It is totally assured because right now Christ lives and he reigns. And each one of us are invited to belong to his kingdom. So there we go. This is what the resurrection means for us today. It means that Jesus is Lord. So he deserves our worship and attention. It means that our lives can be transformed no matter how broken we may feel. It means that evil has been defeated so we've got nothing to fear. It means that our sins are forgiven. No one's too unworthy for love. It means that when we die, it will not be the end, but a glorious beginning. And it means that one day, there will be peace for all, as God's purposes are completed. This is hope to really celebrate. This is life to really live. This is the faith to pass on to others. The Lord Jesus is risen and reigning and I urge us all to trust in him today.